Listeners, welcome to a special episode of Forrest Gump Minute. Uh, normally we go through the movie four minutes at a time, but what we're going to do this season is we're going to have uh, bus stop friends join us from time to time. People we meet at the bus stop, much like Forrest is meeting people at the bus stop. And uh, before I introduce our friend, let me introduce our co-host. I'm Rob, and I'm joined, as always, my good friends Joe and Duff. Thanks for inviting me back, Rob. Yep, and- no problem. And by bus stop friends, it's people we bother at the bus stop. <laughs> yes, we, we will talk to, and it doesn't matter how they respond, <laughs> we will keep. To- That's kind of what it's like being a friend of mine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of silences. Yeah, uh, not from me. No, that's, uh, that's what I mean. Like, oh, okay. So joining us is our good friend. If you've listened to Titanic Minute or Tombstone Minute as well, I think you were on Tombstone Minute, but I don't remember. It was years yeah. ago. Yeah, um, it was. Two times, Claire, Claire, you are here. Our first guest, our first guest of Titanic Minute, and now our first guest on Forrest Gump Minute. What's up, guys? Yeah, I was on Tombstone. We did the fashion show. We did Project Runway Tombstone. Oh edition. my god, that's right. Claire's I, an M- Claire's an MVP guest. That's true. You you uh, have been on all three. Um, Claire and, you know, and Claire also gave us those very nice uh, souvenirs from the actual site where they built the Titanic. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's true. I'm oddly committed to the. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my first question for you. I'm going to make it about us. Um, oh my god. Yep. Uh, what what do you think? What do you think of this project we're doing here? What do you think? Is, uh, is this a good idea? Bad idea? I think like both of your all of your prior projects it. <laughs> I can't say until I start listening to you. Um, <laughs> I think it could be a good idea. I think Forrest Gump is a it's a big deal movie from the 90s, and it's one that everyone has seen in the same way that the Titanic was one that everyone had seen, and everyone has their own like take on it. And I mm-hmm. think to hear the three of you guys figure out what your takes on it are will be interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. What do you think about the shakeup we're doing to this minute uh, by minute? The four world? minute thing? Yeah, four minutes at a time, Claire. Well, as much as I, you know, will miss having to listen to you for twenty five minutes a day, um, I think this'll, you know, keep your listeners engaged and interested without uh, you know, committing their entire lives to you. So I'm excited. That's, we'll see. That's what I think too, Claire. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so so before we let, let's let, before we dive into the movie Forrest Gump, um, we're not you know we're not talking about a particular portion of the movie. We're just having we're having a, a friend, bus stop friend here. Um, question I have for you is, you you've ridden public transportation, correct? Indeed, yes. Do you have any any particularly noteworthy stories of? Uh, being on uh, public transportation and maybe it, it going awry some way or a forest starts talking to you and won't stop? <laughs> uh, I do. I have two stories, both from when I lived in Chicago. Um, okay. One was the day that Michael Jackson died. I was on a bus <laughs> in Chicago. I, li- I like this already. <laughs> yep. I was on a bus in Chicago, absolutely packed, one of those like rush hour buses. We're driving through town, um, and at some point, somebody in the bus checks their phone and sees that he has died. And then slowly in the next, like, three minutes, maybe, maybe not even that much, 
everyone on the bus either looks it up, calls a parent, like it becomes the entire bus experiences this news at the same moment. Wow. And it was a totally weird little like bubble moment where like there was, we were all together in this bus learning this very strange and emotional news for many people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was wild. Was so there that crying? Was, was there crying yeah. in the bus? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. There were people like calling their families and like sobbing to share the news about it. Like it was a very, I, that was me obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was super fascinating. Um, so that was one, that was the most, more delightful of the two stories. Uh, the other Hilarious. one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Michael Jackson dying is the fun one. Um, the other one, I was taking the bus home from the Lincoln Park Zoo and my sister was visiting and we grew up in Wyoming. And so Chicago in general, like large, different, <laughs> humongous place compared to. I'm guessing the- Chicago has more people than the state of Wyoming. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah, Madison might have as many people as the state of Wyoming. Okay. Um, Yeah, so different scale for us. So we're sitting on the bus. I'd been there for a couple years, so it was not as, like, weird to me. But she was a little nervous, so we're sitting on the bus. And across the aisle from us, this guy comes in and sits down. And he gets on the phone and starts to call someone. And all we can hear is his side of the phone call, obviously. And he's like, uh, hi, yeah. And he's coughing. I'm just, uh, I just want to check on the results of my TB test. (laughs) Oh, no. Was it Val Kilmer? Was Doc Holliday there? (laughs) It was not, unfortunately. But, yeah, it was just this guy, and he's calling, like, the nurse's office or whatever to try to get the results of his tuberculosis test being not remotely quiet about this. So everyone on the bus then is like not sure what to do like are you do you is it rude to like back away from the guy who might have tuberculosis like once you so find every, a diagnosis yeah <laughs> right depends on what he, you know but you can't hear that side of the conversation oh yeah so that was the other weird uh bus story was dealing with that and i I'm pretty sure my sister was like wow this was a great idea to visit my joe and i in the big city joe and i had uh an interaction on a bus in chicago with joe do you remember that Oh yeah, how could I forget? Um, it's it's just it's maybe the one of the few things in this life that we'd be willing to fight for. It it that's absolutely true. <laughs> uh Joe and I were coming back from some con- was it Pitchfork Festival probably? Yeah, this podcast um, wasn't white enough already, so. Yeah. <laughs> Great job, guys. And we were we decided uh cuz we were, you know, our hotel was way out I don't know, wherever it was. And uh, we got on the bus and we're like, let's get pizza. Yeah. And we'll take that back to our hotel and eat pizza. Brilliant idea. We got on the bus with our pizza, full box of pizza, and we became we became prey for the predators <laughs> out there. <laughs> we got accosted two different times yeah the first time some guy walks up guys just a quick question and i immediately just went we're not giving you any of this pizza (laughs) (laughs) and then he got very offended uh that i would even suggest the idea that he wanted some of our pizza and then uh after he's done being offended he then asked us for some of that pizza yep (laughs) we did not give him any and then he sat maybe a row or two away from us and started yelling at about the fact that we thought he would want our 
that that we thought he would want our pizza and and how upset he was that a we thought he'd want our pizza but also b we b. didn't give him our pizza <laughs> and then then um, some rowdy teens yelled at us at, at yes the, then we transferred to an L train, and some rowdy teens mocked us. They mocked us. They they assumed they may they may or may not have assumed our sexual orientation and called us names as we held strong to our pizza box. We just just two two thirty one year olds standing silently together at about you know twelve thirty at night, clutching our pizza. That pizza made it. it home. That pizza made it home, and it I'm, was consumed. I'm I'm envisioning the warriors, and then you two it's there. Exactly with, what it was like, with, with a pizza box and just a bunch of youths with like chains and baseball bats. Like you, you ain't from around here, are you? They were yelling at us. They were trying to be aggressive, but we knew we had the pizza, and they didn't. You you had the you had the power, and they wanted the power. They, they right. could sense our strength. Yep. <laughs> and our resolve. For sure. And then I think I went back to our hotel and ate pizza and drew a bath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he finishes his pizza, then I just hear the bathtub running. I'm going to draw a bath. <laughs> I, not only... Okay, not only did you take a bath, like, just the term draw a bath. Uh, that's why you yeah, the way you frame that it That was one of, his, one of his favorite bits for a while. <laughs> I'd say a good year and a half is Rob would just... Once a once a hangout or so would express delight at the fact that he could draw a bath when he got home because he was chafing. Yeah, you walk around at a like, festival all day, you chafe, you got to draw a like, bath. And- <laughs> <laughs> Drawing a bath is something that Scarlett O'Hara does. Like, yeah, I, and so do I. <laughs> do you have a fainting couch? No, but I should. I should. <laughs> well, I... We should first, ask about the movie, maybe. Yeah, right? I was going to say, I... Rob, Rob teased this as you recently rewatched Forrest Gump, and you have some you have some takes. And we love yeah. t- we love takes. No. Yep, we might steal them. <laughs> We're gonna cut them out and steal them. They're probably lukewarm takes. But... Okay. So one thing that uh, that struck me, I think, with it watching it now, and I so I saw it when it came out. Um, so I was about nine. Nine or ten. I may not have seen it like that year, but right around then. Um, Did you learn about AIDS from this movie uh, or Salt and no, Pepper? No, I had no idea okay. wh- how she died. Nothing. Okay. Like, the context was totally lost on me. Like, I knew she died of something, but I had I, nothing. I think I, awareness. The disease I of I, liberalism is how yes. she died. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> I think I learned about AIDS from Salt and Pepper when they put that condom on that banana. You guys remember that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like it was uh, Magic Johnson. Yeah, was... it was Magic Johnson for me. Okay. But he, yeah. he didn't put a condom on a banana. That's, he not that's that I problem. saw. That's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, Claire. We, we're interrupting your take. Um, yeah, so I hadn't watched it for a long time. Um, like, I'd seen it since then, but not a ton and not recently. Um so watching it as an adult and watching it so far after it was made was interesting on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like, to me, what I kept going back to was this idea of him as a character being able to coast through life in some ways. Like, show up at all of these 
in all these very opportune moments and have everything ultimately work out for him, I guess, except for Jenny dying of AIDS at the end, <laughs> which is maybe an important part, but like up to that point. Um, or his and, friend die, dying in his arms in Vietnam. Okay, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no, sorry. But, I, I, you're right. You're, I'm you're just right. Like he just, he keeps stumbling into these places, ends up at college because he can run, becomes a star, ends up mm-hmm. in the war, does heroic things, but also like everything just works out. He happens to buy Apple stock. Like that's, he gets all, all of these things just happen in a way that work really well for him. And it kept making me think that like the generation that watched this when it came out that was young and impressionable were the millennials, which get this sort of reputation of being entitled and assuming that as long as we're like there, we can have and get and achieve whatever it is that we felt like we deserved to do. That's the American dream. Following right. your passion. Yeah. And it well, just, I had never thought about it, I guess, in terms of that relationship of like entitlement of just being able to be as privileged as he is, despite being not privileged in so many ways and being able to just like appear in all of these places and have this like fantastical story happen and this life that's sort of incredible. Uh, yeah, well, that's the life of a boomer. Right, yeah. It's an excellent point, and I honestly, I think Forrest may be the most passive hero in movie history. Because mm-hmm. if, if you ask anyone, like, what is Forrest's goal? Like, the only real thing we know about Forrest is that he is in love with Jenny. But otherwise, yeah, he just, it's kind of like Kramer. He just stumbles into yeah great in the comedy clubs and starts saying racist stuff. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's maybe after you know. That's a deleted scene in Forrest Gump. But basically, and I think I already used this. Forrest is basically just using the improv yes and theory. Like he just says yes to everyone. <laughs> He's like, "You should go to college. You should join the military. You should start sh- a shrimping company." Okay, like he just is like, mm-hmm. "All right, sure, whatever." Yeah, I, I mean, there's other ways you could look at it. like what happened. Like, is he just that selfless that he takes other people's? I'm not saying he's malicious. You know? I'm just no, saying, he's not. I'm just saying like we are, you know the, and in some ways I think that makes this a more interesting movie. Is that Forrest is, in many ways, the opposite of the typical hero story or just whatever main character? Because again, there's no central goal in Forrest Gump there's no v- real villain there's no plot there's I mean, no like, plot there's no there's no de- necessarily but. no there's no timeline there's nothing you know most movies there's we have to do x by x or this will happen and it's yeah, how just, do you even separate this movie in x I don't know yeah so right so yeah it, I mean he's the feather right the floating yeah like you end up wherever you end up What's what's interesting about your comment about entitlement, Claire, is even though Forrest does, as you kind of mentioned, have his own problems, uh, there's also there's also you know a good example in this movie about privilege, right? Because if Forrest was a woman or not white, none of this works out for him. Totally, absolutely not. Yeah, and I think like the way that the that Jenny was received and interpreted and like reviewed after the movie is interesting because he was like this perfect you know this perfect movie character that everybody loses their mind about him being so like empathetic and wonderful and then she's like villainized in a way that I never understood 
understood really to be that until like I was more of an adult. But like her life is, there's nothing dramatically different. She makes different choices, but like she's a troubled person from the South who didn't have the context. She does have a, a, I think, sexually abusive parent. Yes. Yeah. 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 But if that's that doesn't make her a villain though, right? Like no, that no. if anything like tells you more about why she's not. A I'm just villain. saying that's really the only difference in her yeah. In forest. Yeah. And, and and she's a woman. And she's a woman, right? And so well, like the and way she, she and deals she's with poor her. too. I mean, forest. That's true. That's a good point. That's so forest I, comes from money. I don't remember where I read it, but I I read something that said that one of the many ways that uh this is a a conservative boomer wet dream is that it <laughs> basically it puts it absolves them it it absolves boomers of abandoning liberalism because like oh look what happened to Jenny like it, it happens mm-hmm. on a sub on a subconscious level it's like oh yeah Jenny was silly she was against the war she acted out and well, see what happened like and it you know I, that's the subtext, I think. That, and I don't even know. I think it just crept in there. Like, I think Robert Zemeckis is a very apolitical filmmaker. I think he is not concerned with politics at all. But he is a baby boomer, and it, I, the source material. I think that crept in there. I totally agree. I actually think you can see that with Lieutenant Dan too, where the part where he's struggling with PTSD and is a like, and is troubled. That's framed. I remember being like super freaked out by his character when I was younger, and you it's like legs. <laughs> yep, that was why. Um, <laughs> but like Claire's he's in got that... a foot fetish, and no good if you don't have legs. She is she is a walking fetish. <laughs> she was especially mad that Pulp Fiction didn't win that year. <laughs> good lord. Um. I don't know. So the, the character, yeah. the character of Lieutenant Dan. Yes. Uh, yes. So I think like when he's in, we're his, talking about his story arch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna mute myself and yell at you. <laughs> um, that while he's in his arguably most liberal and like pushing back against the institution of the war and everything that had happened he's framed as like pretty unhinged and I think he like is supposed to be unhinged, but it's a more negative sort of framework. And once he's back kind of getting himself together and joining in the business and all of this and finding his new wife, then he's like back to being a normal guy who's clean shaven and wearing his suit at the wedding and all of that. And I think that just is another way that this is really subtly talking about how, when you conform this idea of conforming being the best way to kind of get through things. That's interesting. I've never thought of that, but that also makes sense and jives with the, the lessons that this imparts about, uh, people who came of age in the 1960s and seventies. Yeah. It's, it's like the, it's, it's it's tracks with boomers, you know, they like, hippies and anti-war stuff and then you know the late 70s 80s come along and they're like oh you gotta grow up and get a job and then you know they're the generation x rebelled against that by just like not caring about anything and yeah. uh and then it 
and it seems like weirdly like if you look at our political landscape like that generation i think is the most difficult to figure out generation x yeah by far because they just seem like they continue to just seem like they just kind of are nothing. You know? I mean, they're lost. Like that's kind of the lost generation, and it's one of like they're defining. Yeah, but not in a romantic way, just in no. a pathetic way. Well, I mean, it starts romantic when you're young, but it's not. It's not romantic when you're older anymore. Right? So it's like in a way they're right to reject those boomer values, but they did not really ever figure out what to embrace instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's one thing. Like people love dunking on millennials, but there seems to be. A real purpose to millennials that I feel like the previous generation doesn't seem to have as much. It's like more directionality. Well, I think there's, there's, you know, yeah, kind of, yeah, definitely, because they are, they are in some ways the children of this directionless generation. So you, you yeah. know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, react and, to whatever you and, were, your, your parents were. And part of it is there's not really clear boundaries of which generation is which because the baby yeah. boom is defined as I think it's 1946 to 1964 because when all the GIs come home from war uh they move out to the burbs and start having kids and the pop- it's funny right and like the, that is like it's, it's wild it's wild we're like we named a whole generation because a bunch of dudes came <laughs> because, back yeah, real we horny because, <laughs> because we were they, they were they were stationed in the south pacific and they were all horned up Yep, they were ready to go. But, but like, if this, you... this four-bedroom ranch home isn't going to fill itself. Like, like, all the other generations are like, yeah, it's about the time. This is like, dudes had to, they had to get it off. They had to get, you know, it was time. But, I'm mad and I don't know how to channel it in a healthy way. <laughs> Here we go. Buckle up, America. But the thing about the baby boom is that it's actually defined by a spike in the population trends. And that in 1946 there's just this huge uptick in births and 19 like 64 65 is where it gets back down to where it probably would be and so after that everyone's just kind of being arbitrary like a generation is roughly 20 years so it's just kind of like after that it's like oh it's your millennial your gen z your yeah you and know. i think millennial gets framed around technology a lot like mm-hmm. the progression the rapid progression of the technology, yeah, at the age that we were at when that was happening. Because by I, most by most accounts, um, I know Joe, Rob, and I for sure are included in the millennial generation. Claire, what mm-hmm. year were you born? Eighty five. So I definitely am. Okay, so you're yeah. definitely, but still kind of like an older millennial. Yeah. But like when I read it, like, because he's like, oh, millennials, nineteen eighty to net to two thousand, give or take a year or two. Like there is a pretty big difference in being born yeah. 1980 and the year yeah, 2000. I don't, I don't. Th- like everything moves faster, and I, I just you can't use those same boundaries. For and it's like exponentially faster. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I've it's, heard. I've, so I've started hearing the sort of older millennial generation, and now I don't remember. Rob, this may have been you, or it may have been my husband, or it may have been somebody else. So I Oregon forgot. Trail. The Oregon Trail generation. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the mini the mini like yeah, way to describe I've, it. And, like, the people who remember playing the Oregon Trail on, like, old, big, clunky PCs. And I think that weirdly, like, encapsulates that micro-generation for me of, like, that's different than the people who were born in the late 90s. I have a similar metric, and I always say that I'm I'm a millennial, but I remember music videos. Oh, yeah. And I think that there is maybe half 
of millennials like music videos were a huge part of my life and mm-hmm. i think they were yeah, for a lot of too. millennials yeah yeah that, sure. that was how you got music that and maybe the radio but i think primarily that was your exposure to celebrity yeah like mtv like there's a good to sex to, yeah to sex too e- easy sure speak for yourself Se- okay just take Sorry. a deep yeah, breath hey, hey, oh, hey man it's, you're gonna well, go he's, he's, going, he's going all boomer on it he's going all boomer. the greatest generation right now uh, it's it's never been more appropriate for me to say settle down beavis <laughs> uh but yeah but for me like that's kind of a dividing line like i feel so i feel like our we're kind of we're millennials who have some gen x tendencies Mm -hmm. yeah maybe but i I do think i do think we sort of but only the good ones yeah yeah we're the best (laughs) like grunge music (laughs) but i do think i don't feel like we're as lost no but I think, um, but another another way to look at it is we can more clearly remember before the internet. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have an analog understanding, and yeah, I mean, well I literally the... changed the channel for our family when yeah. we watch TV. I'd like stand up, walk across the room, pull the knob to turn our yep. TV on. Yeah, if you wanted to watch something later, you had to tape it. Yeah. If you were like fancy, yeah. If you had a v- <laughs> if you had a VCR. <laughs> I was trying uh, to explain Y2K to one of my college student uh, team members this week, and she was so baffled by the idea that we would think that, like, the clocks turning over in a computer would, like, crash the global system. Yeah. Like, I was trying to explain it, and but she's we, looking at me like I mean, We didn't really think Well, that, no, but, like, you know. You know yeah. People. And she's sure. just like, what are you talking about? Like, the... The date changed, and it's fine. I was like, yeah, but we didn't... Nobody knew anything about computers, like, not comparatively. Yeah. So it was like, maybe yeah. it will ruin everything. Who knows? And it was fascinating. It was the first conversation I've had with a Zoomer, which is what they're calling themselves, I guess. Zoomer. Which drives Zoom, me crazy. Zooms. They all drive Mazdas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't drive. <laughs> um yeah, it was like the first conversation I've had with the that next generation of trying to explain an, a technology thing to them that seemed like it made total sense to me and was insane sounding to them. Yeah. So I think this makes a good segue since we're talking about generations. Uh, so Claire, who would you like to have seen Forrest meet? Uh, who is uh, a politician, a musician, an actor, just so, some type of touchstone. And we're, we're just going to say, you know, someone who would have been famous in the s- maybe late 50s to early 80s. Okay. Who, sh- I... who should Forrest randomly stumble into? <laughs> I might have to think on the who. I What I can say is I always... Re- wow, interesting answer. <laughs> yes, there you go. It's, it's about my generation. <laughs> um what just popped into my head though was um mark hamill for some reason okay stumbling across (laughs) i didn't expect that right i didn't either it just popped right in Um, like when he crashes his car Yes. Like, like yes. he swerves yeah, out he of the way yes. to avoid Forrest that, while that he's was running. Swerving, that was him running down the road, and <laughs> Mark Hamill swerves and gets in a terrible accident. Yes, that's my answer. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> I, I mean, you guys, you guys know this. I've said this off air, but my dream is that Forrest Gump gets remade someday. 
<laughs> and it's a little darker. It's Forrest just kind of like just missing being killed by all these famous serial killers from that era. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, uh, you know he. Je- Jenny, I don't think you should talk to this Ted guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, I'm going to leave Sharon Tate's place. I don't I think absolu- I should be here. I, I mean, Duff, I mean, you knew this is how he's going to answer this question, I, right? I, I think I remember him saying this, but I, I'm actually on board with this. this <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not saying it's a bad yeah. idea, but uh, just, yeah. I'm, we, I'm envisioning Forrest, like, ruining a recording session with Charles Manson. He gets kicked out of the Spawn Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> he like he like goes to like uh yeah he goes Lieutenant Dan's kid has a birthday party and there's a clown he lives in oh, Chicago and like <laughs> you can have all sorts of like near misses that uh, he keeps having. I guess I this it. guy I guess this guy was thirsty or something because he went all the way up to the top of that water tower <laughs> and he did not want to come down. Oh my God. <laughs> you do a pretty good forest, Joe. You know, for for a man who would have come of age during the the golden age of serial killing, not a lot of encounters. Yeah, he yeah. should have encountered more of them. Like Ed Kemper could have offered him a ride during his run. <laughs> I was running across the Golden Gate. And I don't know. This guy just loved drawing pictures or symbols or something. I don't know. I just kept running. That would make for a delightful like follow-up film yeah i'm all that should in. Be the i think sequel. that's great all right so what i wanted to point out about the movie is that he he does meet a lot of famous people but they're pretty much all men yeah mm-hmm. and so i just want to acknowledge that uh and with that said i also picked a man <laughs> <laughs> but i just i do think if we were if we we're gonna try to actually make the movie better and more representative of what was going on at the time like having him run into Gloria Steinem or or someone like that, Jane probably. Fonda, or Phil Schlafly, I, if you're good, they're going to meet somebody in the opposite or side. Or Eileen of that Warnos, the serial <laughs> killer. Stop. Keep going, Joe. <laughs> Met this lady came up to me. And, this lady came up to me and said, "You look like you need a friend." <laughs> <laughs> but my so I, I actually think that's probably the best answer to make it a better movie but in terms of just human being I would enjoy seeing him try to interact with I I think there's a dearth of just like kind of the weird artists of this era mm. like the closest we get to him meeting an artist is probably like an eccentric artist I guess is I guess John Lennon and yeah in that I moment mean, of his career he's at his somewhat more eccentric yeah and 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 you know that's still not we could do better than that so i thought andy warhol would be a really funny person for him to meet oh that would be a good one uh, yeah the, he just drew soup <laughs> <laughs> mom used to draw a bath but he drew soup <laughs> now i'll 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 one up you and say forrest gump going to the factory oh <laughs> yeah yeah just, so i mean i think uh i mean there's some I don't know how much debate is even really left about it, but I mean, you know, it would also allow him to address the gay culture a little bit too, mm-hmm. whether or not Andy mm-hmm. Warhol really was gay. And I don't think that's totally settled. Um, 
it uh at least he certainly was immersed in that culture so that would be that'd be interesting too think that'd yeah. be funny i, I think like he would say answer. real dumb funny things about andy warhol yeah. who's much of it whose work is nonsense yeah and is a great like character to have yeah yeah <laughs> so uh do you guys have any other any other questions for claire um overall overall yay or nay on forrest gump i don't know i am um, i've been thinking about that this week since i watched it it's it is a good movie. It's a well done movie, and I don't particularly like it. That's okay. That's a that's fair, fair. That's a fair answer, and I feel yeah. like we're in the same boat. Kind yeah. Of. yeah, like it's objectively like it's well executed. It's well done. It's well acted. All of the like kind of objective things I feel like are done well, and it's super unique um, in how it's done and how the plot and characterization is rolled out. And I just don't like it that much. <laughs> Well, okay. thanks for tuning in to Forrest Gump Minute. <laughs> uh, Stay tuned for the rest of them. They'll be fine. God. Claire, do you have any questions for us? <laughs> um, have you seen... So there are two like alternative actor, alternate actors for uh, Tom oh, Hanks' yeah. yep. character. Jo- j- I've, I've been already in on one of them and how what a disaster. It would are there be. screen tests? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Well, if you call it deep fake... A screen test. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do. Right. Yeah, I also do. Uh, so there's a absolutely delightful deep fake of Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh. That, that one I don't know about. Okay. As Forrest Gump. Um, I will. It is the scene. They do a whole scene. <clears throat> it's the scene where Forrest gets on to the school bus for the first time and is recalling that interaction with Jenny. Okay. Um, Keanu Reeves <laughs> plays uh, both Forrest's. And Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So All right. You should look at that. You'll have to share that with Definitely. her. Uh-huh. I'll that. post that on. You guys, do you guys have like a, are you doing a Facebook yeah, thing? Yeah, box of chocolates. Oh, yeah. I think I'm already on it. Whatever. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great. Um, the other one, which was actually the real alternate actor uh, that they didn't go with, was John Goodman. So oh. the John Goodman one is because in the book, He's like a big dude, right? He's a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they were ever going to cast him, though. So that's what I was reading today, though, was that, like, that was the original when they were writing. Maybe they weren't actually, like, moved forward with casting, but that that was how they wrote the character initially was with him in mind. I mean, John Goodman's, like, body is kind of what Forrest Gump is written at in the first. Yeah, right. In in the book. And, like, what a different movie that would have been. It'd be very different. I I will say I've gone on record as saying that this whole thing falls apart without Tom Hanks, but I I do think John Goodman. I mean, it's not you know I'm not in the minority or anything when I say John Goodman is fantastic, but mm-hmm. I on some level I could see him pulling it off. Yeah, oh, I yeah. could too. I think I he too. balances the serious and satirical really well. Hell I mean, of a lot better than John Candy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was indeed. I was about to say before I got filled with rage. At <laughs> um, is you know I I think John Goodman is kind of thought of primarily as a Walter first at, at this point, but he can be very good at serious dramatic yeah. work, and I could on some level I see it working. Yeah, I do too. I thought when I saw that I was like that seems crazy, and then thinking it through, it's like wow. Well, 
he would it would be a totally different character, but yeah, would have a very different. I don't know. It's weird balance. that there's a John Goodman and a John Candy, but also a Goodman candy bar. Is it weird? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Claire, you know about the other two other actors that turned down the role, right? No. Uh, Chevy Chase. Ugh. Oh my god! I was hoping there was a Chevy Chase screen test. I... Oh, woof. And John Travolta. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to see the John Travolta version. What a piece of garbage that would be. <laughs> oh my god! There's Amazing. There's probably more, but those aren't two of that I know of. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a handful. I mean, that's that always is what happens for any big role, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's... And who knows if it's even true? Too. Right. Yeah. Just make it up. Who cares? But I want it to be true. Me too. <laughs> I want screen tests for both of them. That's fantastic. I, or deep fakes. Or yeah, deep someone do a deep fake of Chevy Chase as Forrest Gump. Yeah. Uh, tough, Joe, Claire. Either of you have anything else about Forrest Gump while we're sitting here at this bus stop? Uh, I'm not going to let that Candy Goodman candy bar joke go. If we segue <laughs> away from that. That is like a a Mike Huckabee level joke. That's a, just, wow. wow. That is Yikes. like, the huck. Are, like, are you going to be one of those dads who's like, why do we park on a driveway, but drive on a parkway? going to be Google Goodman candy. You're going to get Goodman candy bar. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I just, I couldn't let that, I, I couldn't let that pass. I'm not letting you end the show without that. Stupid it, is as stupid does, Rob. Yep. Yeah. Did she learn anything, Duff? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I Claire. Ne- and I never will. <laughs> Claire, thanks a lot. Thank My you, pleasure. Claire. Thank and, you. And uh, listeners, we'll be back uh, talking about the next set of minutes of Forrest Gump next week. Happy the days while I'm ending the nest Till once more they ride high to see